So, one of the most challenging, we'll call it Mayadim Yom Tevim, Mayadim, is Tisha B'Av. And part of the reason is because the nature of modern society is that we like to do actions that we feel accomplish something. We feel like we're doing something. We're doing. Person, let's say, comes to the seder, so he feels he accomplishes something. He gets amuna, hopefully. He eats matzah. Person comes to Hanukkah, he feels like he's getting inspired by the neiris. There's something to something to the yom When it comes to tishavav, we get a little confused. Person doesn't feel like there's any. Is there really a benefit? Let's say the person that decided to oversleep or whatever. He had a very important thing and he didn't come today. What? What? Anything changed? See, he went to the same tishavav. He'll be able to. Go party next week like everybody else. Did anything change? Let's say someone missed it. Like it's something so important that we have to experience by being mekainen on Tishba, being this Abel on Tishba. What is the tachlis of Avelis? What's the point? It's over. It is what it is. How do we understand practically the tachlis of the Avelis on the Chum Beis So I want to take a little bit of a different spin. Rachmol someone a person is nifter. So we know there's halachas of Avelis. But it's interesting. Chazal tell us that the main Avelis that takes place, the main loss, we'll call it, that when a person's nifter is to his wife. And the same thing, a wife to a husband. The spouse is the one that loses the most when Rachman al-Aslan, somebody's nifter. But we see an Avelis, it's not like that. A child that's sitting Shiva for a father, it's an Avelis for a father. It lasts a whole year. It's Allah has Avelis a whole year. A spouse is only in the Avelis for a month. Afterwards, she goes back, to, she could go back to regular life. So, if the loss is more severe by the spouse, so seemingly the halachas of Avelis should mirror the loss, and therefore a spouse, we could venture to say, Rachmon could be in Avelis forever. An Amana is always an Amana, and Rachmon should be in Avelis forever. So, how do we understand that there's a, such a concept? That regular Avelis for a child, which doesn't seem to be so severe, or as severe, lasts a whole year, and for a spouse it doesn't. And the reason is because Avelis is not for our emotional feelings. Of course a spouse has the emotional feeling, and technically the spouse maybe doesn't even need the halachas of Avelis because she or he feels the pain every single day. The child that should be feeling the pain, but doesn't necessarily always feel the pain as much as he should. So Chazal has to give us guidelines that a person should be able to internalize pain that he should be feeling. Loss, we'll use the word. That's what, the point is not pain, the point is loss. The loss that the person should feel is something that Chazal has to hand to us. Because if, he, if they wouldn't hand it to us, we wouldn't necessarily have it on our own. That's why a child is Avelis is much more than a spouse. Not because the pain is more by a child. The reason is because the child has to feel the pain more, has to feel the loss more than the spouse. That's the concept of Avelis by Rachman al-Atzlan, someone who's nifter. We are like the child. We had a base amikdash and we are so confused and we are so lost that to our minds we think life is perfectly fine and it can continue going the way it is. Most, if a guy doesn't have a significant sorry Rachman al-Atzlan in his life, he's comfortable, he's making parnosa Baruch Hashem, and he could keep going. There's nothing missing in a person's, we'll call an average person's life. What does the Ben Shalom do? So the Ben Shalom sometimes sends us reminders, he sends inflation. What happens by inflation? A person realizes it's, it's not sustainable. The system, the way it is, is not sustainable. Call it Shidduch crisis, all these crises, all these global crises that we experience, the point is to realize that it's not sustainable the way it might feel on the surface sustainable, but it's not really sustainable. That's the purpose of why the Ben Shalom sends us crises. We have one day, if you look at it, from a calendar perspective, Tisha B'Av is the last Mayid of the year. Right? We start, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning, so Tisha B'Av is the last Mayid of the calendar, which means it's sort of the peak, or it's sort of the culmination of everything that a person has. Tisha B'Av is supposed to be the final message, and then we move into Elul, and to Rosh Hashanah to start, Tavshin Pei Dalet. It means apparently the message of Tisha B'Av is integral to be able to hold on to everything we have from the year Tavshin Pei Gimel and to move on to Tavshin Pei Dal with that. And let's understand what the, what, what the concept is. It's very, very, very important. Very important. I want to talk from a psychological standpoint. 
there's, there's, two, there's two kinds of people, especially in the modern day world, there's two kinds of people. There's people that live, they exist, and then there's people that produce. It's very, very important. A person could go his whole life and never be, never live. He's always running to the next thing. The guy's on his phone, he's always itching in his hyzen. He has to go in. Someone asked me, how long is Kinnis going to, it's not going to be so long, but how long is Kinnis going to take? I said, well, you're running. There's nothing going on. I mean, if there's something going on, there shouldn't be anything. There's nothing going on. But people are itching. They, don't, they, they, just can't, they can't sit. They're running. Where are you running? A guy that runs, 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 till he falls into that hole called the kever. That's where a guy's running to. You're not running anywhere. Live life. A person has to train himself to live, not to be constantly chasing tomorrow. There's nothing tomorrow. There's nothing happening tomorrow more than today. Today is a gift that you can experience. And a person that's zaycha to experience today is a person that lives. And a person that's always running for tomorrow, 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 he never lives. He runs his whole life. And before he turns around, he's six feet under, and that's it. Hopefully he did some mitzvahs. But that's it. He didn't live life. Living life means a person lives within himself. There's a concept that the Svarim bring that's called his baidudus. Such a concept. When we, why we do do it, why we don't do it, we're not going to get into that. But there's a concept called his baidudus. Some sects of tzaddik, of Hasidim have put a tremendous emphasis on this concept. But, but hispaidus is a very healthy thing to do. Whether you do it or not, it's very, very healthy. Now, where does the word hispaidus come from? Does anybody know? We, we just read it last night. The word hispaidus comes from a very powerful word right in the beginning of Eicha. Eicha yashva vadad. Eicha yashva vadad. What does it mean that a person lives, a person is misbaidus? What does a person is misbaidus? Misbaidus means you live with yourself. The, the opposite of today's society. You don't post what you're doing. You don't take a picture and you're sitting on the floor and smile or pretend like you're crying and post it. Look what I'm doing. I'm here. I'm there. That's the antithesis of life. When a guy's busy posting and showing where he is, he doesn't live. He's living in everybody else's imaginary world. He's living in the, so, the world, the fake world called social media. For example, a guy is considered a mutzlach if he posts something that's viral. If it's viral, imam is a mutzlach. Now, if you take a, if you take a step back, a guy that doesn't have social media, let's say, I don't have social media. So you can post a video that's viral, I'll never know that you posted it. Like, just, that's just me, and I'm sure there's plenty of people like that. So in your mind, your mamish the mutzlach, you hit, you hit the peak. You posted whatever it was, you did something, your mamish mutzlach. A guy that doesn't live in this imaginary world, there's nothing going on. Regular day, he goes to the store, to go he buys himself some milk, and he keeps going. The guy that lives in the imaginary world that doesn't really exist, he lives in the world of others. He doesn't live in his own life. His us, and sometimes it's scary, and it shouldn't be. The reason why people don't like to do this this because it gets scary. You start thinking about your chesreinus. It's a misconception. But the healthiest people, the people that have confidence, are people that are able to live within themselves. When does a person live within himself? The best day to live within yourself is today. Avelus. There's a din on an oval that he has to sit bodod. We, last, uh, we ate the Sudas Avsekis yesterday. The Sudas Avsekis has to be bodad. You're not supposed to sit in a group. You're supposed to sit alone. You are alone. And you get a little bit accustomed to who you are and say, Hi, this is me. Re- recognize yourself. Forget about everybody else. Shut off the world. You're not running anywhere. You're not going anywhere. You're living within yourself. That's the purpose of Avail. It's not if a person is not an Avail, which Rahmal said we should never be Availim. You, you can live in yourself and be Besimcha. But when you have a Matziv like we're in, we have a terrible loss that we sometimes don't realize. A loss of the Beis HaMikdash. I'm going to show you a little bit of a perspective how we could even see where the loss is. But let's take the Beis HaMikdash. We have a tremendous loss to the Beis HaMikdash and we don't realize it. We're dancing. We're so busy with everybody else. We don't realize it. Stop his us. Eicha Yashva Vadad. For about an hour or whatever it is, sit alone. Don't look at anybody else. Don't text anybody else. Don't, don't post any pictures. Just sit by yourself and exist in your own world. It, push it is psychologically healthy. Forget about the mitzvah. Just get to your senses. Realize who we are. Realize what our purpose is. Realize where we're heading. You're a healthy fellow. You don't have to have the street saying hi to you. You don't have to be a kazillionaire that flies private jets. You could be a very healthy, mutzlachtika person who lives within himself. That's an individual who is healthy, that's an individual who's matzliach, and that is what Avelus is. It sounds like a little bit, uh, that, that, that's essentially what Avelus is, meaning when a person stops, closes his eyes, and envisions how we are missing, we're lacking, 
We're lacking. We're lacking in our relationship with the Rebbein Shalom. That is a healthy understanding of Badad, a healthy understanding of his Spadadas. Now it takes exercise. You have to figure out what we're thinking about, which is what the Kinnis discuss. We're going to do two at a time. We're not going to do all the Kinnis. But if a person takes a few minutes during the Kinnis, try to realize what we had, who we are, where we stand, what's the purpose in life, what's our objective, that is the way we end off the year. It sounds like on a low note, it's really technically on a high note. It's just coming to understand who you are. And if a person experiences pro- this experience properly, he solidifies, so to speak, his existence, and he's able to move on to a new year, which is why Tishabav is at the end of the year. I want to just mention one thing that we could think about. There's plenty of things that we're going to focus on Bez Hashem as we approach the Kinnis. But one thing I think is very important to realize what we're missing because we don't have a base HaMikdash. And that is clarity. The world is full of confusion. Everybody tells you, you do this, and you're mamish, you hit the, fill in the blank, kerastir, whatever you want to say, wherever you go, go here, go mikvahs, wherever you want to, even the kaisel. A guy goes to, he hit it. He went to the kaisel, he's mamish, people are confused. I'm not saying some of them are right, some of them are wrong. A lot of them are right. But a person gets confused. Am I supposed to be learning? Am I supposed to be saying tilim? Am I supposed to be doing chesed? Am I supposed to be saving people's lives? There's a lot of confusion. And it's supposed to be like that. That's part of Gullus. Gullus is confusing. The confusion of Gullus comes from the fact that we don't have a clear guide, a clear Beis Hamikdash, a clear Sanhedrin, a clear Navi that told you exactly what your job is. And that is something that maybe even we could relate to. Think about the confusion. It's not like we didn't do something wrong that we ended up confused. That's the way the Rebbe Shalom, part of, part of the Gullus experience is to grope around in the dark and try to do the best you can do. And that's what the Manishalom wants us to do. So that's just one thing. There's other, we're going to talk about it in a second. But that's just one thing that we can even practically feel. When a guy gets up in the morning and feels confused, he's not happy, he doesn't know, should I be doing this, should I be doing that, especially if he's not connected to a tzibur or to a chabura, sometimes a person gets confused. Am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? Am I good? Am I bad? Am I doing averis? Where am I holding? It's confusing. It didn't used to be so confusing. It got confusing because of the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. That's the confusion that sets in today. And the Or Chadash, Al Tziyayin Toyer, V'nizkei Chulanu, which will Be'ezer Hashem bring us the clarity that we really are missing and we don't even realize that we're missing. That will Be'ezer Hashem bring us the clarity. When a person is simply being misabel and realizing his loss, like Chazal say, it gives you air, it gives you clarity, as much clarity as possible in Golos, and it's all in the schos that a person is misabel properly on the Chorben Beis HaMikdash. So we should at least chaperayin, we have an hour or so, whatever it is, and Be'ez HaShem, we should utilize the opportunity and not chas v'shalom, miss it, even if you take it, even if a person take slower than everybody else. We're going to go with the general tzibur, but if it takes slower, just keep moving at your pace. We're not here to daven up to kinnis. Davening, if a person davens without kavana, he daven. If a person says kinnis without kavana, he is basically wasting his time. There's no mitzvah to say kinnis. The mitzvah is to be mikoinen. The mitzvah is to be misabel. If you're not being mikoinen, you're wasting your time. You could say kinnis in Spanish if you want. The point, we got to have a beautiful kinnis that we try to understand. But the point is to be mikoinen. If a person spaces out and he's not mekainen or he doesn't understand what he's talking about, he's missing the point. So it's not the point to finish the kindness. That's not the vart. The vart is to be mekainen, and that's what we're doing. We're wailing and we're feeling. We're feeling the pain and we're trying to feel the loss of the churban beis hamikdash. So that we're going to say the first two vav and zayin. The first uh, kindness vav starts with the word shavas, which is a very important word. It's the hakdam of the kindness. Shavas means to stop. Just stop. Stop running. Stop jumping. Just stop and think about what we are missing. And we bring different psukim of Eicha to... Uh, it, it's poetic. Sometimes that's why it gets challenging. If you have an art scroll or something that explains it, it becomes much easier. But it's written in poetry. So sometimes it could be difficult to understand exactly what he means. And honestly, Rabbi Lazar Akali, who wrote most of the Kinnis, he had many kavanas. Not necessarily as one shot right or one shot wrong. But the point is he's trying to bring it in poetry, which helps a person emotionally feel the feelings that he's trying to help us feel. And the first kina is specifically focused on Golis Bavel, which is the first base of Mikdash, that which is Eicha. Eicha is focused on the, on the Chorban of the first base of Mikdash, right? The second base of Mikdash did not have 
Yirmiyahu Anavi, he was at the end of the first base of Mikdash. So we're focusing more on the Tsaris that took place by the first base of Mikdash, which Klai Yisrael perceived as the peak. First base of Mikdash had tremendous Hatzlach, the second base of Mikdash was on a much lower level than the first base of Mikdash. So the first Kina discusses is Mikainen on the loss of mainly the first base of Mikdash and the Tsara that followed. That is from a base of Mikdash perspective. That's uh, Kina number Vav. Kina number Zion is also, dis- but it's, it's taking a little bit of a different spin. We spoke about this a little bit on Shabbos. The concept of Eicha, trying to understand how the Rabbeinu Shalom allowed or did such terrible tsaris to Klai Yisrael. How did such a thing take place? Now again, we know how it happened because Klai Yisrael had Averis. But we don't understand the level that Klai Yisrael had. It's like the Rabbeinu Shalom taking the highest nation in the world and in a second or in a matter of a very short amount of time, flipping them and bringing them to the lowest of the low, which is what happened to Klai Yisrael. And again, the point of this kina is not so much on the Beis HaMikdash, it's more focused on Klal Yisrael How did, and the relationship that we have with the Rabbani Shalom. How did the Rabbani Shalom do such a thing in his anger to come down so hard on Klal Yisrael? First Beis HaMikdash and second Beis HaMikdash. And it's based on Eicha because that's the point of Eicha. We, we wonder, how did such a thing take place? And again, that's part of the, the kinos. The part of the kinos is we realize this is not where the way it should, it should be. This is not where we belong. This is not what we should be doing. It's an unfortunate state that we're in. And that's the kina, the, the second kina, Zion, Zion, is focusing on this concept that this is not the way it is supposed to be. Again, Abayisai, it's all about the hergish and the kina. If we miss the, if we, a person just says it, it's very nice he says it, but he missed the opportunity. To feel it a little bit, to try to feel the pain a little bit, we're going to go through a few more things, but we're taking it from different aspects. Every person has a different thing that makes him being misoyer, but the point is to be misoyer and to feel the tsar. So the next two are, we're going to go do Ches and Tess. And Ches is interesting because we think that we're the only ones that need his iris to be able to be Mekainen, but probably in the earlier generations they were able to be Mekainen much easier than us. And there is truth to that, but the Kina which was written a very long time ago. Abelazir Akali wrote this kino also. It's a hisayris, that's all it is. It's waking the nefesh up to realize what you're missing, just simply a hisayris. And again, we have to try to understand what we're saying in order to get that hisayris, but that's the whole kino. Just to be misayir, realize what happened, realize what we used to have, realize where we headed, realize, realize how, full, how, how low we fell, realize that we had a relationship with the Rebbein Shalom that we lost. Taking it from all different aspects, we don't have any leaders, all different examples that we're using to try to be ma'ir, the nefesh, to cry out to the Rebbein because again, that's the tachlis. If the nefesh doesn't cry out, it's missing the tachlis. We're trying to cry out as best as we could. person cries out, he's fulfilling the tachlis. So ches, kina ches, is simply to be ma'ir us, to try to realize that we're missing and we have a lot to... Uh, await and a lot to be looking forward to and a lot to feel bad that we're missing. That's the, sim- that's the way that Blazar Kali wrote that Kina, simply to be Meir the Nefesh. Tess is a little bit interesting also, Blazar Kali, but he contrasts. And this is an important idea which we find by Klai Yisrael many times. The biggest mutzlachim in the world are Yidin, whether it's a physical hatzlacha or a spiritual hatzlacha. The biggest mutzlachim are Yidin, whether they like it or not. And the low lives, the biggest low lives, are also Yidin. The ones that are caught with the worst Averis and the worst Avlis are also Yidin. And it's very, very, there's a very, very good reason for that. Klai Yisrael are always on like two sides of the scale. When they're in the right place, like the Kina focuses, in We're going to see as we go through Kina tests, Klai Yisrael has a, has a peak. He brings different psukim of the when Klaiyosol was at a peak. And then in the middle, he switches and he focuses on the psukim of the Teichicha, which again is the lowest of the low. Now it's very important to realize, and Mavigna Miller points it out, and we have to drive it home. Klaiyosol in their worst times were better than the Goyim in their best times. When Klaiyosol, when Chazal say that Klaiyosol had Sinas Chinam, Rachmanel Itzlan to think 
that Klai Yisrael had Sinas Chinam. We're talking about Tamidei Beisham and Beisilol. They didn't have Sinas Chinam to each other. Sinas Chinam means the Rishayim in Klai Yisrael had Sinas Chinam. He proves it historically. For example, Kamsa Bar Kamsa that we just had in the Gemara Gitin. He quotes Josephus when Josephus writes his historical story about himself. He quotes this individual by the name of Kampus or Kampsus Ben Kampsus, and he was not only wasn't he Hitztuki, he was even worse than that. He came from the house of Hordus. Hordus was a terrible Russia that ruled Klaiso with an iron fist, and this fellow Kamsa Bar Kamsa came from the house of Hordus. So you can envision what was going on over here. There was a Suda, Grace Suda, with all the Chachamim were sitting there, and then this clown walks in. What do you do when the guy walks in? You know, you can't talk anymore. You can't say anything. This guy is going to be meiser to the government. He's a he's a meiser. That's what he was. He was in the house of Hordus. They tortured Klai Yisrael. So Mela, they had no choice. Now, would the would the Chacham have thrown him out? We don't know. But the Balabayas threw him out, and the Chacham had no problem with it because this fellow was a Russia. That's one example that he uses from Josephus. It's not something. He, you know, Kilo, he, it's, not even, it's, from the, it's from them themselves, Josephus, he says, is an example of how the Goyim looked at it. From the Goyim themselves, they acknowledged that this fellow was a Russian Rusha. The Yidin at that time had tremendous Ava. The only Yidin that had Sinas Chinam were the Tztukim and the Christians. The Yidin, in those days, there were no Goyish Christians, it was all Yidin. The Yiddish Christians, the ones that followed Yeshu, those were the ones that had Sinas Chinam. The Sina that they had towards the Chachamim, towards the Erlach Yidin, was astounding. Was astounding. You see, Rabbi Kiva said when he was in Amaretz, he said, "Who's going to give me a Talmud Chacham and I'll bite him like a Chamor?" That was what the Sinas Chinam was. Now we're still getting punished for it, but don't think for a minute that Klai Yisrael were busy killing people, and so that wasn't that, nothing to do with that. They were tzaddikim. There was just a few parts in Klai Yisrael that weren't proper, and the Rebbeinu Shlom had to eradicate, so to speak, that negativity. And that's where the Ben Shalom took it, got rid of the base, destroyed the base of Mikdash, and sent us into Galus. So we have to realize the potential that Klai Yisrael has, and that's what we're contrasting over here. The Rebbeinu Shalom, Be'ezu Hashem, promised us tremendous bracha when we're in Tishmuli. And Ahmad Slan, the other way, there's Klala. There is no mid grade. There's no person that could just say, listen, Rebbeinu Shalom, I'm going back to sleep. Don't wake me up. I'm fine. I'll slide through life. There's no such thing. You're either on top. Or a person, Achmal Slan, is on bottom. That's why the Benisham created a Yid. You're here to produce. You're here to do something with your life. You're not here to just sleep. And Amela, that's, that's another aspect that this Kino is contrasting to realize that we had such tremendous potential. And Achmal Slan, we received all of the Teicha, all of the Klala, because of the Averis that Klai Yisrael did. That's, that's Kino Tess. So again, Kino Ches is a Hisairis. Kino Tess is to try to contrast and realize what we experience. But again, the point, what's the point? To realize our potential. To realize that we do not belong here amongst the Goyim. This is an unnatural state for us. And therefore, we're focusing on the bracha we should be having and on the Rachman Sanda Teichacha that we received. And again, it's a, it's a mind changer. The point is to, to re- reset our campus, reset our minds, and realize where we're supposed to be heading and hopefully when, we, when we're Mekainen with this contrast, Be'ezah Hashem should give us the ability to realize what we're missing and to realize what the Tachlas HaChayim is. Adad Yud and Yud Aleph, very, very, it's very interesting because think about it for a second. Let's say a person had a Shvera Shaila today. Today, 2023, a person had a Shvera Shaila. Where would you go? Unfortunately, most of us, the answer is, I don't know. Nabuch, we don't have someone. Yuchayim Kirievsky, used to be, but now a person has a Shvera Shaila. Unfortunately, people have nowhere to turn. And there's, besides so the Beis HaMikdash, Independently, there's a whole new concept. It's not really new, it's connected. But it's the idea of leaders in Kla Yisrael. And the Rebbe Nishlam created Kla Yisrael with leaders. Kla Yisrael by nature are people that seek, they're looking. They're lo- sometimes, it, hopefully, it plays out in Ruchnius. If not, it plays out in Gashmius, which is why you didn't tend to make a lot of money. They're seekers, they don't realize, they, mis- they misrepresent what their Bakashi is, but a Yid. 
by nature is a seeker. And if you don't have a leader, and you're, if you're a, a cow, a cow doesn't need a leader. He just eats his hay, and he floats around, and he's fine. But a yid is a seeker. And a male, we need leaders. And one of the things that we lost in the Chum Beis is leaders. And it's interesting, Yud and Yud Aleph focus on two different kinds of leaders. And it's important to understand, the Kinnis is not random. It was written by at least three Shainim. Some say the Abelazar Hakaler was a Tana. But at least a Rishin he was. And these next two are very, very specific. The first, uh, Kina Yud, focuses on the Kayanim, the Mishmaris of Kahuna, and it goes through every single one. And Yud Aleph focuses on the king, Yeshio, the concept of Malchus by Kalal Yisrael. And if you think about it, we have Kayanim still today. Maybe they're not all the leaders, but we have Kayanim today. A Malach we don't have. Malchus we don't have. And there's a fundamental difference between the leadership of a Kayan and the leadership of a Malach. The Kayan was the Balchesed, the Oyev Shalom, the Reidiv Shalom, the nice, so to speak, leader. That was the kind of leader that the Kayan was, and we still have that today, and it's still necessary for today. The Melech was Melech Mamishpad Yamad He ruled with an iron hand, and that's the way a Melech is supposed to be. And therefore, and even in Bayez Shani, for all practical purposes, they lost the, uh, one of the Madregasim. They had Mount Melachim, but it was on a much lower standard than in Bayez Rishad. And these are the two kinds of Malchuses in Klal Yisrael, so to speak, that were being Mekainan on. We lost the Chav Dalad Mishmaris Kuna. We lost the beauty of a Kayan. Today you walk around, you don't know who's a Kayan and who's not. In those days, you knew who was a Kayan. He was special. He lived a different kind of life. He was a Kayan. He was one kind of leader in Klal Yisrael. And then the Melech was the real leader, the head leader in Klal Yisrael. And both of those we lost. Both of those concepts we lost by the Chum Beis HaMikdash. And if you think about the last time you had a question and you didn't have anyone to ask, so therefore you did something, and then you had Kharata afterwards, and you second-guessed yourself for the next 10 years, should I have done it, should I have not done it, that is also a part of the Chum Beis HaMikdash. Now from a Betachem perspective, you did what you were supposed to do, just to calm your fears. That's not, our, that's not, our, that's not what we're discussing now, but I'm just, get, just to realize that you didn't make a mistake. But when a person is faced with a challenge and he has nowhere to turn, that is a direct result of the Chum Beis HaMikdash. And that is our Kinanel. So try to envision some or two kinas, you don't need health. So try to envision something that was troubling you. And remember that you had no one to turn to. And then be Mikainin, that we used to have a Kayin that we could go to if you wanted, so to speak, the nice approach. And then if you needed the tough approach, you would go to the Melech. And he would, so to speak, go with an iron hand. And these are the two Ksarim, the Keser Kahuna and the Keser Malchus, which Klal Yisrael lost by the Churban Beis Hamikdash. And we'll just add before Mekainen, that the Marsha writes that when Chazal say, by Matan Tayyar, they were to Tuk Sarim, to the Keser of Nasev and Ishma, that's the Keser Malchus and Keser Kahuna. So even though we don't have the Malchus and the Kuna like we used to have, but when a person learns Tayyar, he connects himself to the original Keser Kahuna, Keser Malchus. That's, what the, that's the Marsha writes. But the concept from Akinas' perspective, that's what we're being Mekainen on. We're are our leaders when something's bothering us, when we, when we have a quote-unquote crisis in Klai Yisrael and everybody has his comments because there's no undisputed leader. You know why? Because there's a Chorban Beis HaMikdash and it's supposed to be like that. That's part of the confusion of Golas. And when we're Mekainen on it and we upset about it and we feel the loss, that Bezer Hashem will bring the Gula and will be returned. Hashiva Shefteinu Kvar Hashayna V'yatzeinu Kvatchila. Echa Yashva. So we're going to move to Tez Zion and Yud Zion. Two very important uh, messages. Tez Zion discusses what happened when Titus came into the base of Mikdash. And we'll get to Yud Zion in a minute. When Titus came into the base of Mikdash, the Gemara says, we know it from the Gemara Gitin, the Gemara says he did a terrible Avera and nothing happened to him. And in our minds, we envision how was he able to do it. We know that the Kaingada walked in, and if he wasn't 100% perfect, he was killed. How was Titus able to come into the base of Mikdash? So this is a very important idea, which what we're being Mikrayin on over here. We have to understand the difference between the power of a Yid and what a guy represents. If a person makes a Simcha, 
and he's Eicher, Baruch Hashem, the chief of police, comes to his Simcha, wow, take pictures, Mamish, he hit it, he is it, he got a Shegetz to come to his Simcha, Yedinunu, but a guy, that's a kid of Shem Shemayim, he was Eicher to get a guy to come to his Simcha. We all, this mentality is twisted from Golos. We get so used to Golos that we think that the guy has something to offer. The guy has nothing to offer. It's garnished. Shaykhist to a guy is garnished. It's just mashpil ayid. Ayid is a prince. Ayid is at the peak of the world. But we get so used to it. You get amongst the guyim and all of a sudden, a kid to shame shemayim, a guy goes and he sings the national anthem by the stadium. Ah, oh, he made kiddush, his mamish, kiddush, Shame Shemayim. Nebuch, the year that's sitting and learning in Bismedish, he doesn't know how to be Mikadish and Shemayim. But the guy that doesn't, doesn't dive in Shachris, and he comes and he runs quickly out of his bed, and he takes out his guitar, and he sings, Lekavad Alagayim, he is Mikadish Shem Shemayim. This is Mamish, the antithesis of what the truth is. It's totally distortion of what a yid is, of what the Hashivas of a yid is, and how a person spends his time chasing fake fantasies. That's what's going on over here by Titus. How did Titus go in? Realistically speaking, well, there's really two perspectives. But first of all, because we already destroyed the base of Mikdash. The Goyim cannot touch the base of Mikdash. The Goyim could do nothing to claw Yisrael. It's when Yidin do Averis, the Nevesheim brings from Chazal, when Yidin do Averis, that's when the Goy can infiltrate claw Yisrael, base of Mikdash, whatever it is. We are our own enemies. When we are Meiser, Achman al-Atzlan, a person's Meiser, somebody to the government, that's how the Goyim infiltrate. They have no way to infiltrate Klal Yisrael unless it's our issue. We do it to ourselves. When a person, Achmon Slan, does something wrong or something like that, brings the guy in, that's what gives the guy the power. So one reason why Titus was able to come in was because we invited him. By doing Averis, we invited him. Why did nothing? And that's why nothing happened to him. And the real reason why nothing happened to him is because, you can't really say it like this, but I'm just going to say it very sharp, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't care. HaKadosh ba- Titus is an animal. It's a machnisht ice, what he does. I'm saying it, Sharif. The Meshem does care. I'm trying to make it a point. The Yerbanisham couldn't care less what Titus does. But Zakhtin Evishachayim, if a guy's walking down the street and he has a bad machshava, he's worse than Titus in the base Hamikdash. Now, again, we're not here. There's got to someone actually brought books in the back. Shmir Senayim, it's a beautiful thing. The person wants to be mechazik in the Indian of Shmir Sinai, but realize when you turn away and you don't look at something you shouldn't be looking at, you are fixing, so to speak, a lot more than if a person would have gone in. Imagine a grace tzaddik would have gone in and killed Titus and pulled him out. When you don't look at that thing you shouldn't be looking at, you're accomplishing a lot more than, that, than, that, than what that yid is doing. Titus is an animal, and what he does is almost close to garnished. Almost close to garnished. Now, the reason why we're mekarnin on it is because from a perspective, from Klal Yisrael, Shualim Hilchubai, Shualim Hilchubai is a terrible thing. To see such a, that the Besamitish fell so low, that the foxes, like Titus, could walk in, that's the Bezayin. But Chas to think that Titus did anything. He's a garnished. We are the ones that call the shots. So that's the first concept that we have to understand from this Kinnis. We're, we're lamenting the fact that we, Rachman al-Stan, did things that was able to allow this animal to go into the Beis HaMikdash and do really garnish, but a representation of what the Beis HaMikdash became. It became an empty house. It became a house with no Rachman al very minimal Kedusha in there because of our Averis. That's Tekinos Tezayin, to remember the power of a Yid, to remember who we are, not to forget that we're princes, to remember when you're Shomer Einecha, when a person is mechazik himself, one of the biggest Nesiyonis today is Shmir Seinayim. When a person is mechazik himself, he's pulling Titus, at, better than pulling Titus, out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Maila of a Yid. That's Tezayin. Yud Zayin is actually interesting. It doesn't even focus on the Chorben Beis HaMikdash itself. It focuses on the emotional pain that took place on the Chorben Beis HaMikdash. And that's something that maybe we could relate to. Rahman al-Islam, women ate their children. Rahman al-Islam, the Tsaris that happened over there, the starvation that was going on over there. And again, the reason why we're focusing on it is because it's a way to be ma'iras, to realize how low Rahman al-Islam, Klai Yisrael fell. We had the money. The Gemara says in Gitin, they didn't have to starve. Who created the Rav by Klai Yisrael? 
Klal Yisrael. They did it to themselves. The Biryonim, they weren't really part of Klal Yisrael, but the Risham and Klal Yisrael were the ones that burned the food, and that's what caused it to happen. So a person has to remember, so really both, the theme of both is the same. It's the kines, it's the lamenting of the fact that we don't appreciate who we are, and we don't realize that when a person does an action, what an influence we have on the entire world, and don't get fooled by what the world thinks. Tazayan focuses on the minimal impact that a guy can do, and how we, Rachman al-Slan, can destroy the Beis HaMikdash spiritually, and then the Goyim can go in, and Yud Zayin focuses on the pain, and Rachman al-Slan, the Tsar, that was experienced by the Churm Beis HaMikdash, and again, the point is to be Ma'iras, to lament Nebuch, the Tsar of Klal Yisrael, because of Rachman al-Slan, Averis that we did, and Beza Hashem to be Zeicha, to be Misabel on this, that will be Zeicha Beza Hashem to see the Gula B'Karv. We're going to move to Yud Tess, which is an important concept. I was in the car last night and my son asked me, we look at the Eichav, if you think about what you're saying, we're basically accusing the Rabbi Nishlam of coming down hard on Klai Yisrael. How, how, how such a thing? Hashem came down so hard on Klai Yisrael. And we do it on purpose to realize that the Rabbi Nishlam is the one that did it, not the Chas Shalom. Think it came from somewhere else? It wasn't a political tsara. It came from the Rebbeinu Shlom. And your test focuses that the Rebbeinu Shlom is really l'cha Hashem atzdaka. The Rebbeinu Shlom always did chesed for us, and we are beishes upon him. And the Sfarim say that when a person says l'cha Hashem atzdaka, v'lona beishes upon him, it's a tremendous chus that the Rebbeinu Shlom should protect him from chas v'shalom, the mikatrigim, and the various averis that a person has. So the now that we're discussing the Tsaris of Klal Yisrael, Blazar Kalir is trying to explain to us that we shouldn't think that because we're getting so involved in these Tsaris, Ki'ilu chas v'shalom, the Rebbein Yishlom's at fault. Ki'ilu, he's angry. Ki'ilu, he's letting out his, his uh, frustration on us. Yachman al-Tzlan, it's our Baishas upon him. It's the Averis that Klal Yisrael did starting from all the way back, from the beginning of, 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 of the introduction that we had with the Rebbein Yishlom. That's the focus of Yud Tess, focusing on even though we experienced Tzara, but it was commensurate to the actions that we did. And again, to realize that our actions have influence, and that's what we're lamenting, that our actions is what caused Rahman al-Islam the Tzara. Then we're going to skip Chaf, we're going to go to Chaf Aleph, Arze Halavonoin Adire Hataira. And this is something we talk about on Yom Kippur also, it's very, very important. It really did not happen at the time of the Churban. It Pashtas had nothing to do with the Churban Beis HaMikdash. But everything, every Tsar that Klai Yisrael experienced is connected to the Churban Beis HaMikdash and especially this Tsar of the Asara Haruge Malchus, the ten Tzadikim, the ten Ga'inim that really should not have been killed from their perspective but it was as a carbon for Klai Yisrael for various reasons. The Surah Makdashim say why it happened. But when a person laments it and cries over it, the Tanoim that we learn about were killed in the most uh, horrible fashions. And the reason for that is, as a kapara for Klal Yisrael, and some of them are not even mentioned, some of them we don't have so often, Mechanim and Tradyan is not mentioned so often in Shas, but we have a Blazim and Shemua, is very uh, very commonly mentioned in Shas, in, in Mishnayis, Rabbi Akiva, obviously, uh, the specific Tanoim that were taken and killed, and there, Asher Mipiyam Anuchayim, there the Arze Alavon and Adiri Atayra, so to speak, today, who we live off, and it happened, and it was supposed to happen, but when a person cries over it, that's the objective. The objective is to realize that Tsar, the Vilna Gain says, we say in Eicha, Malka v'sareh ba'goyim ein teira. When we're out of Eretz Israel, when we're in the Goyim, when we're amongst the Goyim, there's no Torah, there's a severe lack of a relation. We try, but there's a severe lack of relationship to Torah. And this is what we're lamenting here. We're going to lament the Torah a little bit further. But now we're lamenting the Chachamim of the Torah, which really were a lot of them at the end of the second, after really the second base of Mikdash. This is much later. But from a Klal Yisrael perspective, it, it was very similar like the Kina, like the, like the Mekainan says, it was very similar to the Chorben Beis HaMikdash. And it brings tremendous Hisairis for Geula, which is why we discuss it Tishabav and we use it on Yom Kippur to be Zeicha to Kapara, simply to realize what it means when a Chacham is Rachman al killed or a Chacham is Nifter 
it's Ki'ilu, a Chorben Beis HaMikdash, what it means, a Chacham in Kalal Yisrael, and even though we don't have a Chacham on their level, on their level but every Chacham has this Madrega of Rachman al-Islam, when a Chacham is Nifter, it's like a Chorben Beis HaMikdash, and that's what we're lamenting in Chafalev. So Yud Tess is focusing on that it was really, so to speak, our fault, if you could say that, in the Chorben Beis HaMikdash, that's the point, to be Ma'ir us, and Chafalev, to be misbeinin and think about the Chorben that took place, when Achman al-Islam, the Tanaim, Hashem Ipiyam Anuchayim, many of the Tanaim were killed simply because of the Averis of Klal Yisrael. So Chavhei, we change focus, and it's very relevant for us to realize Chavhei has nothing to do with the Chumbes Mikdash. It's about the Kehilis in... Ashkenaz, in Germany, that were killed out. The destruction, again, this is nothing, seemingly has no shaykhist to the Chumbis Mikdash. This is obviously not written by Abel Azar Kalir. And this, the point of this kina is to ingrain in us that every tsar that happened to Klal Yisrael is directly related to the Chumbis Mikdash. And the pain that the Rabbeinu Shalom Kaviyachal experiences when Klal Yisrael experiences tsar, even a personal tsar, that a person has is also directly related to the Churm Beis HaMikdash. And you clearly ask Akasha that in the times of the Beis HaMikdash there were also Tsars. People had Tsars in the times of the Beis HaMikdash. So how could you say that the Churm Beis HaMikdash is connected to old Tsars? The old Tsars that we have today is connected to the Churm Beis HaMikdash, which is why we discuss these Tsars in the Kinas. L'chaira, they had Tsars during the Beis HaMikdash too. And the answer is the reason for the Tsars during the Beis HaMikdash was because it wasn't perfect. When the Beis HaMikdash was built, it was built to be destroyed. Shleim HaMelech, the Ramam writes, when Shleim HaMelech built the Beis HaMikdash, he built it with an intricate tunnel system under, that they should be able to take the Aaron and bury it under the Beis HaMikdash, that's what the Ramam says, and that's what the Aaron is, in order that when the Beis HaMikdash gets destroyed, they should be able to hide the Aaron, which is what Yeshua did. And you think about it, the tremendous Simcha of the Binyan Beis HaMikdash, they knew good and well it wasn't going to last. Why it had to be like that is part of the way the world runs, that the Rebbeinu Shalom allows things to run its course, and therefore even the first Beis HaMikdash was ultimately going to be destroyed. The second Beis HaMikdash for sure was not on the level. But the Gula that we're waiting for, that's going to be perfection. So any situation that a person has is directly related to the Churban slash disconnect, so to speak, from the Rebbeinu Shalom, which was generated by the Churban, and the Gula Shlema, that's what we call it, the Gula Shlema, the Gula from Bavel, the Gula, the Gula from Bavel wasn't a complete Gula. The Gula Shlema is only what we're anticipating, what we're waiting for. And that is how we have to view every Tsar. Every Tsar, we pick specific Tsars that they said, discussion about mentioning the Kinas for the, for, the, uh, for the Holocaust. But the point is the same. Any Tsar that Klai Yisrael experienced is directly connected to the, to the Golas, to the Churm Beis HaMikdash, and therefore we're Mekainen on it. Chavav is an interesting spin. It teaches us that Yirmiyahu was going to the Avis to cry out to the Rebbeinu Shalalem, and you see how the Avis cried, and you see that the Rebbeinu Shalalem persisted, which teaches us how much HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to speak, did not want to destroy the Beis HaMikdash, and he was forced to, if we could use those words, because if the Rebbeinu Shalom would not have destroyed the Beis Mikdash, Chas Hashem would have to be destroyed. And even though Yirmiyahu had this conversation with the others, the point of the Kina is to realize how it had to be like that. It was the tremendous Ava that the Rebbeinu Shalom demonstrated for us in the Churban Beis Mikdash that he poured out the Midas Hadin, Rachman al on the Beis Mikdash, and not on the individual. And of course, as a message for a person, when a person, Rachman has a loss of money, or something very distressing that happens in his life, he should realize that the Rabbi Shalom is pouring out his anger, Rahman al-Islam, on something physical, as opposed to sitting in hospitals, Rahman al-Islam, or worse than that. That's the, that, that's the kind where we're lamenting what happened, but the point is to realize that the Rabbi didn't do it because he was angry, he didn't do it because he couldn't control himself, Chas Shalom. he did it out of Ahava, which is why the Chaydish is called Av. It was a demonstration of the Ahava, that the Banishlam has for us. And therefore, Kina Chavav focuses on that, and it's something we can't forget. 
we see how Yirmiya cried to the Avis, and the Avis cried to the Benishlam, and the Benishlam held his ground, so to speak, because he was dealing with a chesed that he was doing with Klal Yisrael by allowing us to have the tikkun that we're having now, Baruch Hashem, and Be'ezer Hashem, B'zeich HaVikarev, to the Gula Shlema. Chof Ches discusses the Shechina. And this is something that sometimes gets lost when we're being Hikainen. We forget about the Tzara of the Shechina. We're so busy with what we don't have and the relationship that we're missing. But equally, or at least equally, more than what we feel is the Shechina Akdasha is in tremendous pain. And Abelazah Akali wrote a Kina to describe how the Shechina is not Mikabeles Tanchumim. And that's really the reason why the Minig in Leil Shachnach brings it is Leil Tishabov, you don't sleep like you normally sleep. The guy used to sleep on the floor. The person sleeps on the floor. It's very, very not Gishmak, to put it mildly. And the reminder is that the Rabbi Nishlam Kaviyachal is sleeping on the floor every night. He doesn't have a place to live. You know what it means when a person doesn't have a place to live. The Rabbi doesn't have a place to live. The Shechina Kadesha is wandering around and we're sleeping and we just float. So one day a year, we realize that the Shechina is not Mechabelas Tanchumen, and she's in tremendous pain, so to speak, because Klal Yisrael is in Golos, and that's Ve'eich Anachem. How, how could the Shechina get an Achama? The Shechina and Klal Yisrael go hand in hand. That's what I'm going say. It's like a mother with her children. The Shechina is compared to a mother, and we're like her children. And until we come back, the Shechina is left alone, so to speak, and that's what we're uh, lamenting, and it gives us a moment to try to envision the pain that the Shechina experiences instead of focusing so much on the pain from our perspective, we should look at it a little bit from the Shechina's perspective. That's Chav Ches, to realize the pain that the Shechina's in. And then we're going to go to Lamed Aleph. Lamed Aleph, it talks about the comparison between Yitzias Mitzrayim and Yitzia Mirushalayim. And it's a very nice poetic um, kina, but there's a message in there. The, the very, very important message. It's not just we're trying to say, It's a lot more than that. Just like we understand, by the Rebbein Shalom was engaged. Every single detail that happened was dictated by the Rebbein Shalom, and it was a demonstration of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tremendous love. is exactly the same thing. Just with a different look, with a different spin. But the Ahava that the Rebbeinu Shalom was demonstrating by Tzaisi Mimitzrayim is the same as Tzaisi Mimitzrayim. And we have to remember that. Whenever a person, a yid, is experiencing a pain, it's really a demonstration of the Rebbeinu Shalom's love. This is the only way that we'll be able to get our tikkun is with the Tzaisi Mimitzrayim. So when we're contrasting the two, and we say, When I think about, And then I cry, When I, And then we compare Moshe, saying, Yirmiya cried, Our kinois is the same, so to speak, demonstration of Chavivus, of the Rebbeinu Shalom, as, That's the point, we cry, we're connecting to the Rabbi through pain. We're connecting to the Rabbi Nishlam, the Tsar, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did to us, is only a demonstration of love, which is why it's called Chaydash Av also. It's a demonstration of love. And it's important to remember, the same Giloy by Tzaisim Mitzrayim was the same Giloy with a different spin by Tzaisim Mitzrayim. And if we ignore it, we're losing that connection when we cry over it, we're reconnecting, so to speak, being mechazik, the kesher with the Rabbi Nishlam. So again, Chav Ches talks about the Ava that the Shechina has for us, and how the Shechina is suffering, and we should try to envision the Shechina's pain, and that's the pain that we're suffering for the Shechina, so to speak. And Lamed Aleph is to realize that even when the Rabbi Nishlam does something that's negative, specifically then, that's a demonstration of the Rabbi Nishlam showing his love for us, and just like by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Rabbi Nishalayim showed his love, Yitzhiyam Yerushalayim, through the pain, was a demonstration of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's love.
Salam Adalid talks about the story of Zechariah. And we just had it in the Gemara in Gitin. And really, if you think about it, it's Apala. Zechariah was killed. And because of that, Nebuzaradan killed out endless amount of tzaddikim, children, Sanhedrin, the Gemara says. And then finally he said, you want me to kill everyone? And then it stopped. So the Gemara says. And the Pella is, why? Zechariah was a Maradik Tzaddik. But why was he Zeichah, so to speak, that because of his blood, thousands and really hundreds, if you make the Cheshbon, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people were killed because of one person. What's the Yisait? And really, that's part of the Yisait that this Kina is supposed to give us. To realize that Zechariah was a Yachid. He stood up against the tide. Everybody else was not on his page, so to speak. And he stood up to fight the tide. And he was killed when he was standing fighting the tide. And therefore his blood, so to speak, was equal to almost all of the blood of Klai Yisrael till Nebuzaradan said that statement and then it stopped. And that's how a person has to understand. When a person means Abba Nechom Ezemigdash, Nebuch, most of Klai Yisrael, a large portion of Klai Yisrael, doesn't understand what it means to be misab on the Chum Beis But when you think about the story of Zechariah, that's what the limit of Zechariah was. Zechariah, the schos that the Yid has when he stands up against the tide and he does what's maybe not so popular, that gives a person a schos to be shaveh, so to speak, connected the whole Klai Yisrael. We're lamenting that. One individual, one a Navi, but one Navi was killed and we have a special kina for this Navi to remember this concept. That when a person stands up against the tide of what everybody else is saying and he says what's right and he pushes back and he does what's right, that Bezer Hashem gives him a schia, keneged klai Yisrael. That's the tsar that took place when Zechariah Rahman al-Islan was killed. And then we're going to go to Lamed Vav. And Lamed Vav, it's actually written by the same individual, Lamed Alad Lamed Vav. Lamed Vav, it begins the last phase of the kinus, Siyan. We're discussing the what what the base what Tzion, what Yerushalayim is missing. Tzion is not Mamish Yerushalayim; it's a place in Yerushalayim. But generally, when we use the term Tzion, we refer to Yerushalayim. And now we're looking a little bit towards the future. That's the focus of the next kinos that focus on Tzion and realize that there's a beautiful existence that awaits us. And when we're Miss Abel and we feel the loss, then we'll Bezu Hashem to that experience. And we talk to Tzion, we talk to Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is a Metzius. It's someone that we can talk to. And we ask Yerushalayim, you should, you should search out where we are. Find out where we are. Daven to the Rabbi Shalom that he should bring us back. And again, it's all a concept to help us internalize the loss. To help us internalize the Avelos. To realize that there's a Tzion, there's a Yerushalayim that's waiting for us. And we belong there. We do not belong here. This is a temporary state. And even if it's just once a year that we reset our compass and realize where we belong, that will have endless ramifications. When Mashiach comes, everything that's important now is going to be garnished. Anyone that hit, that spent his whole life climbing the societal ladder and he's on top, when Mashiach comes, unless he did tremendous mitzvahs, He's back on Baden. There is nothing special when it comes to Mashiach other than the people that are Oivdei Hashem. That's all that counts. And when we spend the time to realize that that's the existence that we belong in and not this current fake existence that sometimes we get caught up in, that's the message of Tzion. We're talking to Yerushalayim and we're asking Yerushalayim, so to speak, to search us out, to cry over us, to daven for us, that we should to go back to our state that we are supposed to be. So again, Lama Dalid focuses on Zechariah, how one individual was killed, Rahman al-Tzlan, and because he stood up, he was Zeichah to be Keneged Klayis, so to speak, he was Zeichah to be Kaina, his place, Lost Lavai, and Siyan, we're torn into Yishalayim and internalizing where we belong, and this is not the state that we're supposed to be, and when we internalize it and lament it, Be'ez HaShem will be Zeichah to Sitziyin, B'Kayr V'mher V'yameinu. Yaim Achbi. So now the last two are Mem Aleph. We're going to go to Mem Aleph. And that was written by the Mayami Rutenberg, one of the Rishainim. And it's 
It's based on a historical story about the burning of Rechman al-Tzlan the Teira. But there is a message, there's, many, there's a big historical back and forth. They burned the Sfarim of the Rambam. But the point is that the Teira, after we were misabel on everything else that we discussed, the final, the last but not least, is the Teira. The Churban and the Golos of the Teira. And first of all, it teaches us that Teira is in existence. Teira is something that you could become friends with. And a person that learns Teira has a very powerful friend in Shemayim to take care of him. We quoted many times from the Zayar. The Zayar says when a person learns Teira when he comes to Shemayim, the Malachim, the bad Malachim will not be able to go near him. Teira has a tremendous power in Shemayim. And when Achman al-Islam, there was a Chilol Teira, we're calling out to the Teira, Shali Srufa Baesh. We're to- to- calling out to the Teira that was burned, that it should daven for Klal Yisrael to bring back us from Gala. So there's two aspects. Number one, the Chashivas of what we have. The Teira doesn't change. And when we have Teira, we have, so to speak, our final relationship with the Rebbein Shalom, even in Golas, and the Teira is a Metzius, and it Kedavim us, and it sticks up for us, so to speak, as long as we have her back. That's the final message that we're supposed to walk away with when a person has Teira. P'kudei Hashem Yishorim Isam Chelev. The only thing you're not allowed to do today is learn Teira. The only mitzvah you can't do is learn Teira. Why? Or certain parts of Teira. Because it gives you simcha. When a person's learning Teira, the relationship that we have is ki'ilu the relationship by the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore we're, da- we're turning to the Teira and asking that it should daven, that it should daven for us, that we should be zeicha to have a geula and realize the chashivas of the Teira that's there. And then we go to Memhei, which is Alitziyayim, the fam- most famous kina. And the purpose of that kina is to remember that when we're Miss Abel, we are accomplishing something. We are bringing a general geula to Klal Yisrael, and we are bringing a personal geula to ourselves. And the comparison, Tziyayim, when Tziyayim cries out, Alitziyayim, when Tziyayim cries out, it's like a woman that's crying out, when she's in a situation of giving birth, and it's tremendous pain, and it's pain that overcomes the woman, but Lamaisa, it brings, Bezer Hashem, a child. That's how we're comparing her to a woman. We're also comparing her to a Besula that lost her bow. But again, a Besula is someone that can marry, that could eventually, Bezer Hashem, get married. There's hope. It's not the Pshat that she's someone that's lost. And when we cry out to see it, and we discuss very graphically, what happened at the time of the Chumbay Samikdash, and we're turning to Tzien to cry out to what's going on, to what happens, and what we cry out, and when we're Miss Abel on the Tsar, on the pain of the Shechina, on the pain of Klal Yisrael, on the pain of the Rabbeinu Shalom, for the Chumbay Samikdash, Be'ezer Hashem, it should be Kemay Isha Vitzira, Be'ezer Hashem, it should be like a, like a woman in pain, le, 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 what we call Chevlei Mashiach. The Chevla Yeleda, when we give, when we feel that pain, we're like an Isha Bitsireha, and Bez Hashem, we should be Zaycha to the birth, which is the Gulashlema Bimheir Vyamenu Amen. Shali Sufavish. Alitia in Vyane. Kima Isha Bitsireha. Bichiv Sula Chagurasa. Bound Many meshirs in Moreha, the Aldama, my share, Shupak, 